bells jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Oh, hello. Gosh, I didn't see you there. Is it that time already? Gosh. Uh, well, it's uh, 10.30 and it's Sunday the 13th of December. Uh, welcome to SBC's online service. It's uh, beginning to feel a lot like Christmas, isn't it? Well, we gather together um, in spirit and truth and we worship, uh, come together to worship the triune God, to sing his praise, to pray to him, to listen to his word and to encourage uh, one another as we do so. I hope you're completely up to date with our plans for Christmas. I uh, hope you're getting the newsletter and having a look at that. Uh, Saturday 19th, Hark premieres, Hark uh, from Salt Mine. So book now, uh, see, see a newsletter at the website and email communication for details of that. The premiere of Hark on Saturday the 19th of December. That's next Saturday, isn't it? So uh, and next Sunday, we have the third in our Advent series. Uh, which is a saver, saviour announced. Uh, we're getting in the fields with the shepherds and seeing the angels. Uh, then uh, Christmas Eve we've got YouTube carols by computer light. Carols by computer light or carols by computer uh, followed by the big mince pie. So that's uh, six o'clock and then tune in and we'll move into the uh, uh, big mince pie which is the time of Christian uh, Christmas fun and fellowship. Uh, and then on Christmas Day, the Saviour arrives, our YouTube celebration of Christ's birth, and that's at 10am, uh, followed by another Zoom session where we can uh, wish each other a Merry Christmas. Uh, today we have the second in our Advent series, and we're going to be looking at Joseph's story. I was really taken by Jason's um, use of the word incredible last week. Remember the three meanings of incredible? Uh, number one, it's impossible to believe or comprehend. Uh, number two, it's really difficult uh, to believe or comprehend. And number three, it's amazing. It's incredible. It's brilliant. Remember that? Well, that was last week. Uh, but thinking about Joseph and uh, finding out that Mary was pregnant, I imagine that Joseph's first reaction was, that's incredible, that's impossible to believe, impossible to comprehend. And then God moves him through uh, from that uh, impossible to believe and comprehend to that, it's amazing. I am part, thinks Joseph, I am part of God's story and God's great plan of salvation, chosen to be the earthly father of the Messiah. Wow, it's incredible. So we're going to be looking at that uh, later on. Uh, we've got a number of songs, uh, we've got a reading, thank you Nathaniel, um, and uh, we've got some prayers and we've got an all-age section. So we've got a great uh, service uh, lined up uh, this morning. So uh, just before we nip off to join Rob in the man cave, let's briefly pray together. Father, we ask this morning that you would move amongst us as we tune in online we ask that we would be able to tune in to you. Father, speak and help us listen. This we ask in his name. Amen. See you later. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Joseph accepts Jesus as his son. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. 
His mother Mary and Joseph had promised to get married, but before they started to live together, it became clear that she was going to have a baby. She became pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph was faithful to the law, but he did not want to put her to shame in public, so he planned to divorce her quietly. But as Joseph was thinking about this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. The angel said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. The baby inside her is from the Holy Spirit. She's going to have a son. You must give him the name Jesus. That's because it will save his people from their sins. All this took place to bring about what the Lord had said would happen. He had said through the prophet, the virgin is going to have a baby. She will give birth to a son and he will be called Emmanuel. The name Emmanuel means God with us. Joseph woke up. He did what the angel of the Lord commanded him to do. He took Mary home as his wife. Well, we're in our second in our series, our Advent series, and today uh, we're looking at Joseph's story. And we're looking at uh, Matthew, uh, chapter 1, uh, verses 18 uh, through to the end of the chapter. Let me start by telling you a story. Little Billy came home from school one day, and uh, he clearly wasn't a happy chappy. And his mother, using her spidey sense, uh, knew that he wasn't altogether happy. So she asked that open question. Had a good day at school, Billy? No, he said as he slams his bag down with disdain. Oh dear, why? What's up? asks his mother. Well, says Billy, today we've been casting for the nativity scene. And Harry, well, he's the chief angel. He's got five lines to say, five lines to say. And Matthew, well, he's one of the shepherds and he's got two lines. And Oliver, he's um, a wise man and he's got two lines to say. And even Fred, who's a donkey, he's got one word to say. What's that? Says his mother. Eeyaw, says Billy. Oh dear, and what about you? Well, I haven't got anything to say. I've got no lines. Well, well, who are you in the nativity play? I'm some bloke called Joseph. All I get to do is stand and smile at the manger. <laughs> well, uh, maybe um, that's a bad thing to be in the nativity play because Joseph never seems to say anything in the nativity play, does he? He is the unsung hero and literally he is the unsung hero. Uh, I can re reference uh, carols that speak about the wise men. I can reference carols that speak about the angel. I can reference carols that talk about shepherds. And Mary, well, she gets lots of references in many carols. But can you think of a single carol that we sing at Christmas that references Joseph? I think not. I think not. Joseph truly is the unsung hero of the Christmas story. Yet Joseph had a really significant part to play 
a small but significant part to play. It's my contention this morning that Joseph was chosen and prepared by God to fulfil his part and we're going to be looking a little bit at Joseph. Uh, the majority of what we know about Joseph is in this very passage. These few verses we're looking at here at the beginning of Matthew. It's further my contention that uh, Moses, Moses, Joseph and Mary were chosen together as a couple to be the parents of Jesus here on earth. Joseph and Mary chosen as a married couple to bring up God's son here on earth. I suppose it uh, shows us something of God's pattern for, for humanity, that children uh, ideally are brought up within the context of a loving marriage, brought up by a mother and a father. That's not in any way to denigrate the fantastic work but done by single parents down the years. Uh, the Bible speaks of God having a special place for the fatherless. He will care for those in need. But he also puts out this pattern that his plan for humanity is that children should be brought up within the context of a loving marriage, uh, man and woman. And God, being God, chose Mary and Joseph. I guess if we were God, sitting on the cusp of the universe with a whole um, history of humanity laid out before us, we would have chosen differently. I don't think we would have chosen poor peasants from a back street town called Nazareth to be the parents of God's son here on earth. We wouldn't. We would have done something differently. But it seems to fit God's character, doesn't it? That again here, he has chosen the weak and foolish things in man's eyes to fulfil his great plan and purpose. As we come to this uh, a passage this morning, I'm going to go for a traditional three-point SBC sermon and we're alliterating on the very favourite letter for alliteration which is P. Uh, so I've got three headings all beginning with P but I've got to say um, there's so many words I could have picked. Uh, we've got pregnancy here, we've got uh, people here, we've got a person here, we've got plans here, we've got purpose here, we've got prophecy here. So many um, he potential headings beginning with the letter P. I was spoilt for choice, but I've gone for prepare. Number one is prepare. As we look at Joseph and uh, we look at how God had prepared him and the man that God chose to be uh, the adopted father of Jesus here on earth. So item one, prepare. Secondly, we're going to look at this uh, dream he had with the angel appearing to him and we're going to uh, think about prediction. So point two, predict. And then thirdly, linking to this, the word Emmanuel we have in verse 23, God with us, the incarnate God here on earth, we're going to uh, conclude by thinking about parent, our parenting, our adoption. So prepare, predict, parent. That's where we're going uh, this morning. So firstly, prepare. <coughs> I don't believe that uh, Joseph was an afterthought here. I don't believe that uh, Joseph just happened to come into the scene because he was um, Mary's betrothed. I think God had Joseph in mind and God had been preparing him, chosen for this very task. So what sort of guy had God chosen for this task? We're told a few things about Joseph here. Uh, we're told in verse 19 that he's a righteous man. Now that needs a bit of unpacking. Um, by righteous here, we don't mean that he was perfect before the law. 
uh, that cannot be so. How do we know that cannot be so? Well, because Scripture interprets Scripture, and we're told in many other places that we're all dead in trespasses and sins. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glory. Uh, we're also told in uh, uh, Romans 5 that we're all dead in Adam. We've all fallen in Adam. We've all sinned in the pattern of Adam, and that includes Joseph too. And Romans 3.20, we're told no one's righteous, not even one, including Joseph. So it cannot mean, in verse 19 of Matthew 1, uh, when it says he was a righteous man, it cannot mean he was perfect before God. That's not what it means. Uh, so what does it mean? Well, <clears throat> most scholars tend to agree that what's been conveyed here is that Joseph was a devout Jew. He was a Jew and he was following all the rites and the rituals and the laws uh, of Judaism. He would have been circumcised on the eighth day. He would have gone through all the rites and rituals of a uh, boy and a young man growing up under the Jewish uh, religion. And I guess as a person, he was also God-fearing and God-loving. He was interested in doing what the law and what God required. And uh, I think that's what verse 19, he was a righteous man, Means And I guess uh, each one of these I'm going to apply uh, to us very briefly. Uh, I guess we can say if we're Christians, if we're sons and daughters of the living God, we should be interested in uh, looking at God's word and looking to follow his pattern for our lives. So number one, he was a righteous man. Uh, number two, I think we can conclude uh, that he was a compassionate man. He had a forgiving nature. How do I get to that conclusion? Well, um, it says here in verse 19 uh, that he had in mind to divorce Mary quietly. I think that says a lot about him. He did not want to expose her to public disgrace and he had in mind to divorce, divorce her quietly. And it says in verse 20, he considered the matter. I think we need to unpack this a little bit. Um, it's... Uh, one of those oxymorons of Christmas, isn't it? How is it possible for Joseph to divorce Mary before they're married? Well, that's because uh, first century Jews did marriage differently to the way that we do marriage today. They had a betrothal, an engagement, we might say, uh, but that was very much the legal part. That was the registry office part of the marriage. Everything was legal at the betrothal. So they were linked together before the law. But then the groom would go away and the groom had a task. He had to go away and prepare a place to bring his bride back to. Uh, so the groom would often be involved in building a house. Uh, very often this was a room, an extension of his father's house. Uh, so the groom would go away to prepare the place that he eventually would bring his bride to. Interestingly, the language Jesus uses in John 14 is uh, this very imagery. He says he's going to prepare a place for us in my father's house and many rooms. It's this idea of the groom going away. The engagement is in place, but we're waiting uh, for the marriage supper of the lamb when Jesus returns. And uh, back to uh, uh, Joseph here in Matthew. He's uh, in that point. He's in that transition time. He's legally married. Uh, but not yet together. He's in the now and not yet. And he's probably busy working. He's probably burning uh, the midnight oil, trying to prepare a place to bring Mary home uh, to be with him. When he finds out this disastrous news, well, seemingly disastrous news, that Mary is pregnant. And uh, this is a major scandal. 
I guess in our culture at our time these are not it wouldn't be such a major scandal but in the time Joseph lived this would be a massive scandal and you know the public the community uh, the close-knit community of Nazareth you know who they'll be pointing their finger at they'll be pointing their finger at Joseph he's a, a guy in line uh, Joseph he couldn't wait you naughty boy Joseph um, this would be shameful for Joseph so you can imagine that Joseph has something here to protect. He's got his reputation, his image to protect. Um, so what could he do? Well, according to Deuteronomy 22, he could have had Mary stoned to death. He could have done. I doubt whether that was possible in the first century because uh, the Romans wouldn't have allowed it. Uh, but he certainly could have her publicly disgraced. And by having Mary publicly disgraced, by making a big public divorce, he can protect his own image his own perception, his own standing in the community. But Joseph doesn't want to do that. He's uh, got this compassionate nature, he's got this forgiving nature uh, towards Mary. So he has in mind to divorce her quietly so he wouldn't expose her to public disgrace. This is a, a big move by Joseph, that's why it's recorded here in Matthew. Uh, and I think we can conclude he has a forgiving, compassionate nature. And uh, the same should be true of us, so shouldn't it? May I reference you to the uh, last sermon I preached. We are a forgiven people, and therefore we must be, in fact we're commanded to be by Jesus, a forgiving people. A forgiven people, therefore we should be a forgiving, accepting people of others. So number one, he's a righteous man, he's a devout Jew, he's interested in God, he's God-loving, God-fearing. Number two, he's of a forgiving, compassionate nature. And number three, I think we can uh, conclude that he is a man who is responsive to God's word. He is sensitive to God, he's listening to God, he's looking for direction, and when he gets the direction, he acts upon it. How do I conclude that? Well, um, he's in this real problem his betrothed has got pregnant, it's a major scandal, he doesn't know what to do, he's considering these things, and then the angel comes to him in the dream and he says, it's okay, this is of God, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. And uh, Joseph, this would be a scandal, he would put himself in the firing line, all the gossip, everyone will be saying it's true, clearly Joseph was the one, uh, which wasn't true, we know that, uh, but Joseph doesn't worry about his own image, he doesn't wor worry about his own status because he is sensitive to God's leading and God's word and he does what he's asked to do. He does as commanded. Look, verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded. He was obedient, he was sensitive and listened to God and did what was commanded. And fourthly, I think we can conclude that Joseph was a man of some self-control. I think I'd give you two uh, evidences for that. One, when he found out about uh, Mary being pregnant, uh, it could have all been about him, couldn't it? It could have been very dramatic. Uh, if this was an East Ender script, he would be shouting and screaming, the crockery would be flying. Uh, but no, what do we read of Joseph? Well, he had in mind to divorce her quietly, and he's considering these things. He's a, a man of some self-control here. He doesn't fly to anger. And uh, the second bit of evidence I would give you is verse 25, where it says he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. So Joseph married Mary. He took her home to be with him. 
uh, before the birth of Jesus, but they had no sexual union. Now that's some self-control, don't you think? Here's a uh, young man, probably late teens, 18 to 20. Here's uh, a young woman, um, also probably in her teenage years. Probably two people who loved each other dearly, yet uh, they uh, withheld. They held themselves back. They were controlled until after Jesus was born. Why? Well, because it was a command of God. And uh, the prophecy was for a virgin birth, not a virgin conception. So I think we can conclude that uh, both Mary and Joseph were self-controlled, uh, God-fearing, God-loving, obedient people. So that's the type of guy that uh, God had chosen and prepared to fulfil this role of Christ's earthly father, Christ's stepfather here on earth. So Joseph isn't the sung hero, he is the unsung hero of the Christmas story. He is fulfilling a small but significant part. This isn't Joseph's story, this is his story. Yet Joseph has a small but significant part to fulfil, chosen and prepared by God. I can't help referencing back to Mark Bainbridge's illustration at the church work weekend of Bugs Darklighter, uh, the guy that pulled Darth Vader away so Luke Skywalker can go and complete the mission. A small but significant part to play in his story. And the, it's uh, true of us too, isn't it? As a, a significant application here. It's true of us. We are all chosen and prepared of God. We're all chosen to do our bit uh, for him. We've all got our unique front lines. Uh, we're all uh, in a particular position that only we're in. And certain circumstances, certain uh, groups of people, uh, certain opportunities are only given to us. And we've been prepared and chosen for that purpose. Come with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 uh, through to verse 10. Uh, we're saved by grace. We're saved by faith in Christ alone. We're saved because of uh, the work of Christ on the cross. Uh, but we're saved for what? Why didn't God just take us to heaven immediately called upon the name of the Lord? Well, because God has got things for us to do. Uh, look at uh, verse 10. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. We've got a small and significant part to play in his story. God's got a role for you, friend. He's got a role for you, small but significant, and you have been prepared. You have been chosen in advance to fulfil your role. So prepare. Joseph was prepared as we are prepared. And secondly, predict. I want to take you to and uh, draw your attention to uh, verse uh, uh, 20 and onwards. But after he had considered this, speaking of Joseph, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Uh, there's a couple of predictions there. Um, my oldest son is called Matthew. Our oldest son is called Matthew. And uh, when he was in utero, uh, we didn't want to know what, uh, what sex he was, what gender he was. Uh, so we never asked the question. Uh, 
for Lydia we asked the question but the ultra stenographer told us uh, she was being very coy and uh, keeping her legs together so we didn't know with Lydia um, whereas Isaac certainly wasn't coy and uh, we knew we were going to have a boy with Isaac uh, but for Matt we wanted the surprise so we didn't know uh, but Pauline's sister Christine made a prediction she was absolutely convinced that Matt was going to be a girl and uh, so much so she had a coat hanger thing made with uh, the name Jessica on it because that's what we were going to call Matt if he was a girl um, but Christine's prediction was entirely wrong and Matt was a boy uh, so he wasn't called Jessica uh, he wouldn't have he wasn't wouldn't he wasn't or isn't a big Jesse uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, he was a boy the prediction was wrong well the angel makes a prediction about this uh, child in Mary's room he says he's going to be a son I know it's 50-50 chance but the angel gets it right um, the angel gets the prediction right. He also makes a much more important prediction about uh, this uh, baby that's going to be born. He says this, She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus is the Greek rendering of the uh, Hebrew Joshua and Joshua means God is salvation or mighty to save or saviour. So that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Give him the name saviour because he will save his people from their sins. There's a prediction, friends. Uh, and this is a prediction. This is one of those verses which is a, a cosmic verse. It's stuck here in Joseph's story, but it's a cosmic verse. It's got huge implication uh, all through the Bible from Genesis chapter 3 onwards. The Bible has been promising this one to come, the Messiah, the one who's going to crush the serpent's head. Um, prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. There's one who's going to reign on David's throne. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And here we are. We're within nine months of the Messiah being born. And the angel comes to make this prediction. He will save his people from their sins. Very simple st sentence. No big long words in there. But let's just very briefly unpack it because this is of cosmic significance. This is God's purpose and plan summed up in a few words. He will. Who's he? Jesus, clearly the one who's going to be given the name Jesus. He will. No doubt about it, friends. He will. Not he will try or he may do. He will save. He will redeem. He will deliver. He will rescue. He will keep safe. The word save can mean that, can't it? Uh, think about putting your money in a bank, your savings. You're protecting and keep safe. Not only will Jesus rescue you, but he will keep you safe too. He will save you in every sense of the word. He will save his people. There's probably the most controversial or the bit that's open for interpretation in this sentence. His people. Who are his people? Well, if you were a first century Jew, you would probably immediately think, well, this is the Jewish nation. This is Jewish people. That's his people. He's been born in David's line. He's in Abraham's line. Note that Joseph's genealogy is given us here at the beginning of Matthew. And it goes back to Abraham. Um, and this is, this is a gospel for the Jews. So maybe a first century Jew reading this would read this. His people means the Jews. He will save the Jews um, from their oppressors, from the Romans. Maybe they'd have a, a much smaller view. But we know this is a huge, huge picture. There's a huge view here. This is a verse of cosmic significance. His people, who are his people? Well, scripture interprets scripture, doesn't it? 
and uh, we know who his people are. We're told on a number of occasions in Acts and in the letters, everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus as their saviour will be saved. Therefore, by influence, uh, sorry, by inference, if everyone that calls upon his name will be saved and he's going to save his people, then everyone who calls upon his name are his people. So if that's true of you this morning, friend, if you've called upon his name, uh, you've come to that point in your life where you know you need to be forgiven and you need a saviour and you've called upon his name, then you will be saved. I can take you to other uh, proof verses too. Uh, we can go to John chapter 6 and we can see this in John chapter 6, thinking about who his people are. We are told in John chapter 6 that all the Father gives me will come to me. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. This idea of being saved, as in a savings bank, uh, he's going to protect us. For I have come down to heaven to do my will, uh, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none, and all that he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. If you're uh, a Christian, if you've called upon his name, then you are his people. He will save his people. And what's he saving us from? He's saving us from our sins, saving us from the consequences of our sins, saving us from death and destruction and for the, from the grip of the devil. Death is dead, love has won, Christ has conquered. He will save, save his people from their sins. Fantastic. Such a cosmic verse tucked away here in Joseph's story. Well, it's Christmas time, and you can see uh, by the decorations I've got here, um, I'm looking forward to Christmas. I love Christmas. A great time of year, a time of uh, peace and goodwill, a time to be with your families, um, and a time when people uh, suddenly are interested in listening to gospel services. People are suddenly interested in Christian things. It's a great time when we're able to witness um, carols by candlelight, well it'd be carols by computer this year, uh, but uh, in, traditionally it's a time when the church is full and we have more uh, people who don't know the Lord as their saviour coming into church, coming, giving us the opportunity to share with them and speak to them. But there is a real danger in Christmas too. It's a danger that Oliver Cromwell uh, understood. Uh, you may not know, but Oliver Cromwell banned Christmas along with mince pies. And the reason he banned it was he saw it as a pagan drunken festival with a Christian coat. He, uh, he just didn't want to be involved in that. And there is a danger with Christmas. And the danger is that somehow through Christmas and through the Christmas story, through the nativity, we domesticate Jesus. We domesticate Jesus. What do I mean by that? Well, Jesus becomes the babe in Bethlehem. He's in the nativity scene. And that's all he ever is. Jesus was the babe of Bethlehem, but he didn't stay the babe of Bethlehem. And uh, if uh, we reduce Christmas to Jesus in the manger, and when we're all done with Christmas, we put Jesus away with the angel and the tinsel and the baubles, we've domesticated Jesus. Jesus is not just for Christmas. Jesus is for all of eternity. And we must always link the Christmas story to the rest of the gospel narrative. Christmas would have no significance at all if it wasn't for Easter and the cross 
and what he did there on the cross. He will save his people from their sins and he did it there on the cross. He paid for their sins. He took the just punishment of God into himself and now the law is our friend. Now when we call upon his name it's because he died on the cross and salvation, the road of salvation, has been made open through his sufferings. Christmas would have no meaning whatsoever without Easter. And Easter loses its significance if there wasn't a resurrection. A resurrection would lose its significance if there wasn't an ascension. And ascension would be pointless without the glorification because Jesus was once the babe in Bethlehem. But now he is the Lord of history and he sits on God's right hand on high. And one day he's going to return again with great power and the sun will hide its face and the earth will tremble when the Lord of history returns. Once the babe in Bethlehem, just a snapshot of time. He was there just once. But now and forever, he will be the Lord of history, reigning on David's throne. Please, friends, let's be very careful. We don't domesticate Christmas. We don't domesticate Jesus through Christmas. Once the babe in Bethlehem, now the Lord of history. So there's the prediction. It's going to be a boy. Give him the name Jesus. And he is the one. This one in Mary's womb, this one within nine months now of being born and coming to this earth, he is the one, he is the Messiah, the long-promised one, who will save his people from their sins. And finally, let me just take you and link it through the uh, final verse here where we're told that uh, uh, he will be called, sorry, verse 23, he will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus is the incarnate God. God on earth. That baby in the manger, all those cute little fingers, cute little toes, that is God. Incredible. Our God contracted to a span, incomprehensively made man. The miracle of the incarnation. God humbling himself to be a baby, to be a toddler learning to walk and talk. And this child, this child Jesus, had an earthly father called Joseph. Let me take you to another uh, verse of great cosmic uh, significance. Turn with me uh, to Galatians 4 and I just want it's a few verses actually Galatians 4 4 uh, just just drink this in the cosmic significance of these few verses but when the time had fully come God sent his son born of a woman under the law to redeem those under the law, that we might receive full rights as sons, as children. Because you are children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And since you are a child, God has made you an heir. Can you see the wonder of this? Can you see the symmetry of this? John Calvin um, used to say, the son of God became the son of man so that sons and daughters of men can be sons and daughters of God. And uh, I think for our purpose this morning, looking at uh, uh, the uh, chapter in Matthew, I think we can say the son of God became the son of a man, Joseph, so that sons and daughters of men, me and you, can become sons and daughters of of the living God. We can be adopted into his family because of the work that Christ has done. And that passage in Galatians tells us we're co-heirs with Christ. We're legally adopted by God and we're 
in the full blessings of heaven, co-heirs with Christ. It's a marvellous doctrine, isn't it? The doctrine of adoption. Adoption is a lovely thing, I think. Uh, Doreen will tell you the story <clears throat> back in the middle of last century when she was uh, a young woman uh, of a couple in the church she used to go to who'd adopted a son from uh, a baby and the son started school uh, but they'd not told him he was adopted and somehow some of the other school children found out he was adopted so they were taunting him in the playground about being adopted as if it was something horrible uh, as if it was something not right and uh, so he went home very distressed and he asked his mum about uh, about this and she sat him down and said yes you're adopted we chose you i think that's lovely we chose you you are our son they didn't say something like uh, we love you as if you were our own you are our own that's the implication we chose you you are our son there is nothing wrong with being adopted you're our son and uh, Joseph adopted Jesus. Jesus had the full rights of a son of Joseph, um, the carpenter's son there in Nazareth. But far more gloriously than that, because God came and dwelt with us, Emmanuel, the incarnate God, God as the boy next door, God in our village, the one who uh, grew up to be the uh, missionary of Galilee, uh, the uh, a suffering servant in Gethsemane, the crucified cross, Christ of Calvary there on the cross. Because he did that, me and you can be adopted as God's sons and daughters. Fantastic. Adopted. Fully loved. Fully special. All the rights of children because of what Christ has done there on the cross. The Son of Man became, sorry, the Son of God became the Son of Man so that sons and daughters of men can be sons and daughters of the living God. Let me quote you my favourite verse, one of my favourite verses. How great is the love that the Father has lavished upon you that you should be called a child of God. And dear friends, we can get the uh, uh, emotion of the Apostle here. And dear friends, that is what we are exclamation mark so prepare predict parent so in conclusion this christmas stand back and be amazed at god's plan in christ the plan that includes you loved prepared and chosen May he continue to help us as we fulfil all those good works that he has prepared in advance for us to do. Gloria, Hosanna in the highest. Sing choirs of angels. Oh, come all ye faithful. Merry Christmas, everyone. Stand back in awe at the wonder of God's plan, the mystery of it, the might of it, even the madness of it, worked out through everyday people, just like Joseph and Mary and you and me chosen and prepared by the sovereign, saving and adopting triune God. May God bless you this Christmas. Amen.